I know better than my device. My device is there to help me. It's there to give me considerations. It's there to alert me to things that might be going on, but I always know better because I know myself, I know my body, I know where I'm going, and I know what my goals are for my life. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. To track or not to track? That's the question that we're gonna be asking today. And as always in health and fitness, the answer is it depends. I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself to help you decide though. It's an individual decision and you do have to decide for yourself. But my three questions for you are, number one, I want you to list out how is this impacting my life? All the good things and all the bad things. Number two, What am I gaining? How valuable are those good ways that it's affecting my life? Number three, would anything change dramatically for me if I lost my device or if I decided not to wear it? Those are going to be the three big questions that we're going to loop back around to at the end of this podcast episode. Fitbits, Apple Watches, Garmin's, Whoops, There are so many forms of wearable technology that also function as fitness trackers. People wear them to track things like their steps, their active minutes, so their heart rate. Some people track their resting heart rate, their heart rate variability, different physiological stats like their respiratory rate. A lot of people wear them to track things like their sleep, so to give them a sense of their sleep quantity as well as as their sleep quality and the different stages of sleep that they're spending time in throughout the night. These are all great reasons, they can be great reasons, to decide to wear fitness trackers. But as with anything, I think we need to make sure that we're pausing to really understand our relationship with these devices. Personally, I put on my first Fitbit way back in 2014, and I remember it opened a whole new world of awareness for me. I started thinking for the first time about my movement throughout the day and how many steps I was taking throughout the day. It was the first time I started making decisions to take the stairs instead of the elevator because I wanted those steps to be reflected on my Fitbit. So. It was really interesting. It was also the very first time that I had my heart rate. Um, At any point, I could check what my heart rate was throughout the day. So it was definitely interesting and very eye-opening, and I remember that feeling. If you guys have been listening along with the podcast up to this point, then you've heard a little bit about my journey in health and fitness. And you know that I went through many different phases in my journey with movement and fitness, and they weren't always good ones. So at one point in my life, I did have a very disordered relationship with exercise and movement, and I used it solely as a way to control the size of my body and the way that it looked, and I did not use it as a way to enhance my life and my health and my mental well-being like I do now. I believe that 
wearing a Fitbit and wearing fitness trackers constantly contributed to that challenging and disordered relationship with exercise that I had for a really long time. I was completely fueled by the stats that I saw from my technology. So it was always about how many calories I had burned for the day or how many steps that I had taken. And I allowed completely external factors and data and numbers to dictate the choices that I was making about my movement and sometimes the choices that I was making about how I was feeling. And we're going to get into more of that as this podcast episode goes on. I'm not here to make a case for you to wear trackers or not wear trackers. My goal is to talk about the considerations and to open your eyes a little bit to what I think are some of the pros and cons of wearing fitness trackers. Full disclosure, I haven't worn a fitness tracker in about nine months, but last week I decided to put my whoop back on. So it's back on and I'm back in kind of a phase of tracking. I like bumping in and out of the phases of tracking and of self-monitoring, and I wanna talk to you guys about what I see those different levels of self-monitoring being. The first level is when you're completely unaware of something. For example, you are completely unaware of how many calories were going in your body for a very long time until you decided to start looking at nutrition labels. So that period of time before you started looking at nutrition labels is level one that I would call unawareness. For me, before I put that first Fitbit on, I was very unaware of how many steps I was taking throughout the day and what my movement was during the day. So that was my unawareness phase. Level number two is beginning to have a level of internal monitoring going on in your life. This is without a system. It's just you thinking about this thing. It's you considering what time am I going to bed and how many hours does that mean that I got of sleep last night? It could include some journaling, so some subjective journaling about, hmm, reflecting. How was my sleep last night? What was my quality of sleep? What was my quantity of sleep? It could include reporting to a trainer. If a trainer asks you when you come into the gym, how's your energy level today? To me, that's this internal monitoring, but without a system. So you're cultivating some awareness, you're getting there, but there's no real system for self-monitoring. Level number three is a systemized version of internal monitoring. I wanna tell you guys about my current journaling system to kind of help you understand what I'm talking about here. In my journal, I have 13 things that I've decided are habits that I want to commit to for myself every day. Now they don't happen every day, but they're 13 things that I'm striving for all the time. So every day in my journal, I write out the numbers one to 13, and then I put a check or an X by that thing, depending on whether I've done it or not. One of the ones that I've been doing lately is turning my phone off for two hours a day. So if I did that thing the day before, then I put a check. If I didn't do it, then I put an X. This whole process is very systemized for myself. It's not being monitored by, for example, a device, um, but it's something that I'm doing for myself. And I can generate some data from it. So for the month of March, I was able to look back and I actually put it into a spreadsheet because I'm a nerd like that but that allowed me to look at the percentage of days throughout the month that I actually committed to that thing. 
that's kind of what I see as level three, some kind of system. It might happen in your journal. It might happen through some kind of habit tracker or tracking app, something where you are still responsible for monitoring that thing. So it's still a form of internal monitoring, but it does produce some data. Then level four is external monitoring, which is done by our wearable technology or our devices. So this takes the responsibility completely out of your hands to monitor something for yourself. And it starts generating data about these certain things that happen throughout the day, whatever it is that you are monitoring. Self-monitoring can create awareness, which can be incredibly powerful. And humans do tend to respond really well to some form of self-monitoring. I believe that awareness is one of the most important skills that you can cultivate for yourself in your life. So different phases of these systems of monitoring are good depending on what phase you're in in your life um, and depending on what you've been doing previously, as well as your relationship to movement, exercise, and maybe nutrition at the time. Our brains are very biased. We are really good at convincing ourselves of things that aren't there. We see what we want to see in many different scenarios. Through self-monitoring, we can gain awareness, which gives us some reason to start making changes. We understand that our bedtime isn't early enough to give us eight hours of sleep a night, so suddenly we're inspired to make a change and set our bedtime at strictly 11 p.m. every night, for example. People are really good at convincing themselves of things. So let's say that I told you 10 p.m. is my bedtime every night because in my mind, that's the bedtime I've set for myself. Maybe if I started actually monitoring that in some systemized way, I would realize actually on Friday nights and Saturday nights, I don't go to bed at that time. I say I'm much later on the weekend. So that's two nights of the week when it's not happening. And then there always tends to be that one other night during the week where I say I'm late watching a movie. So that's a third night of the week where it's not happening. And then suddenly three out of seven days of the week, we're not actually going to bed at what we think is our consistent bedtime. So bringing some awareness to that is the way that we're gonna realize that and then be able to make some changes to make it actually a consistent habit. It's one of the things that I've been noticing in my journaling system is I thought that I always got eight hours of sleep. And then I realized in February, I only got, there were only 13 nights where I actually got eight hours of sleep. The frame of reference with which you approach a situation also makes a big difference. If your normal right now is to work out three days a week and you start working out five days a week, you might think to yourself, wow, I'm working out a lot, whatever a lot means. For someone else who works out none and they start working out twice a week, for them, they're working out a lot. So there are many things in our lives that are very subjective based on what our habits are based on what we see the people in our lives doing and what their habits are. And sometimes it's hard to convert those things into an objective way of looking at it. And data is one way to do that. So I, I do think that data is a good thing to have in your life at some points. Bad habits can also be very sneaky and they can creep their way into our lives without us even realizing it. 
There's a phenomenon in habits called coupling, where habits often get coupled to some other activity or triggering event. So it might be really easy for a habit to be established where every time you go to make dinner in the evening, you pour yourself a glass of wine. You might not even realize it and you might not even be consciously and deliberately thinking about the fact that you're doing it, but before you know it, you're having a glass of wine every single night of the week when that's not something that you would probably choose for yourself if you were asked in that way. So bad habits can very, be very sneaky and they can be very sticky. Different habits in our lives have certain stickiness and have certain fragility. An example that I've used in my classes is if you were to go away for a week and all of your habits of what you normally do as far as sleep, nutrition, movement went out the window. When you came back, the stickiest habits in your life are the ones that you would pick back up, no problem. The ones that are fragile in your life might be really, really hard for you to reestablish because by their nature, they're just not the ones that um, are going to, without any effort, be a part of your life for the rest of your life. And depending on you, who you are and your values and your personality, those things are gonna look different for everyone. But we have to think about um, those habits for ourselves. For example, I don't have to put much effort into moving my body, but I do have to put a lot of effort into making sure that I'm doing certain things around the house to make sure that my household is in the state that I want it to be in. It's a very sticky habit for me to work out and to move because I value it so much. It's a very fragile habit for me to make sure that I'm doing something to take care of my home every day. The most fragile habits in your life, but the ones that you really want to be a part of your life and continue to be are the ones that can benefit the most from tracking or monitoring. So let's talk about what I see as the biggest pros and the biggest upsides to wearing fitness devices and activity trackers. The first big one that I've already touched on a lot because I feel like I talk about it all the time is awareness, creating awareness around what's actually going on in your life. Our modern society has removed so many naturally healthy habits from our lives just by the nature of it. It's very popular lately to talk about getting back to our ancestral roots. How did our ancestors live and trying to emulate that. I'm a big fan of that. So I'm gonna go down that route as well because that is the environment in which our bodies and brains evolved to handle. Our bodies are adapted for that environment, not necessarily the environment of our modern societies. We have created and concocted in the labs and manufactured so many highly processed foods that can be called hyper palatable because of their crazy combination of really intense sweet and really salty and artificial flavors that are designed to make your brain light up and fall in love with them. Our ancestors did not evolve in a society where there were highly processed foods. They only had access to whole food nutrition. And when they did find something sweet, which was a very rare occurrence, their brains loved it, but it's not like they had access to that all the time. And the reason their brains loved it is because sugar is a very energy dense food. So foods that are sugary, such as 
fruits or honey, very naturally sweet things are also very energy dense, which served us very well when food was scarce. But now that food is unbelievably abundant, it doesn't serve us nearly as well. So whole food healthy nutrition is not just naturally a part of our lives anymore. In addition, the way that we commute, we often sit on the train or sit in the car, and then we go to our office jobs and we sit at a desk for eight hours a day, and then we get up, we go home, commuting the same way, sitting down, and then we go home and we sit on the couch. Like our modern life just does not incorporate the kind of movement that our bodies were evolved to thrive with. We are supposed to be moving our bodies consistently throughout the day. And we just don't do that. And our modern life really has stripped that away from us. I'm gonna give you one more example. As far as sleep is concerned, our bodies are supposed to naturally start to wind down as the sun goes down. And the reason that happens is because the light dims, the light becomes more yellow at night, and our brains start to become tired and then we should be going to sleep at a decent hour because of that. But now we've produced and manufactured all of these wonderful things like screens and devices, our phones, that emit blue lights, which stimulate our brain and keep it awake. So we're not nearly as naturally able to follow the light and dark cycles that happen with the day with our sleep schedules. So, Creating awareness around these things, all of these things, it's what's going to allow us to get back to those healthier habits that may not just come intuitively or come naturally. I love the idea of intuitive nutrition and intuitive movement. Both are beautiful and wonderful. But here's the thing. You can't ask an office worker who's used to sitting for eight to 10 hours a day to start moving intuitively. They don't even know what it feels like to properly move their body. It's gonna be a whole process for them to get into moving more, understand how it feels for their body to move, and then a years long process for them to understand how much movement makes them feel good for both their physical and mental well-being. What are their physical goals? How much movement is necessary for them to reach those physical goals? Like. There's so much in there that to just say this blanket statement of everyone should be moving intuitively, I just don't think it makes sense. The second big reason that I think that devices can be very good things is they hold you accountable. The biggest reason that people hire personal trainers is not for the bomb ass programs that we write, and it's because it's someone to hold them accountable to their goals. There are many, many, many things in life that pull our attention and pull our time and pull our energy. And sometimes we need that added accountability to make sure that the activities that are getting us closer to our goals are actually a part of our day and that we're not letting up on them. So a device can do that for you as well, just like a trainer can. Everyone is different when it comes to accountability to their goals. Some people very naturally hold themselves accountable and maybe they don't even need a tracker. Maybe they really understand this bigger sense of why and they will make it a priority to work that activity into their day. Those people are a rarity. Others might need various levels of support. Maybe feedback from a device 
is good accountability for you. You set a goal to hit 10,000 steps a day. Now you have that automatic feedback and that's going to drive you that much more to reach that movement goal that you've set for yourself. And then others will always need that feedback, that external feedback from humans. But of course, there are many layers of that. I think the most important thing to think about when we talk about the different ways that people hold themselves accountable to their goals is that we are all different. We all approach these things with different backgrounds, different personalities, different tendencies, and then we all have different goals within them. So that's really what I'm trying to get out through this whole podcast episode is that there's no right and wrong. You just have to understand what's right for you at this exact moment in time. Let's talk about the biggest cons when it comes to fitness trackers. I want you to listen so closely to these because these were all of the things that I didn't understand when I first started wearing a Fitbit and that had I understood them, I don't think I would have gotten so far into my disordered relationship with movement as I did and exercise. So these are really, really important to me. Relying on something external something that will never understand the beautiful nuances of being human, something that will never understand the ins and outs of your mental well-being and the stresses that come with work life and home life, but also the beautiful things that come with successes at work and bonding with your kids. An external device will never understand those things. So relying on it to tell you how to live your life or even to tell you how to feel is never going to serve you. When you have complete and utter reliance on a device for something like that, and you are not working on and creating the skills in yourself to be able to understand and answer those questions for yourself, you're not setting yourself up to be able to take ownership over your life and you living your best life. I love devices for many reasons, but that is the biggest con. It takes you out of the experience of experiencing what is inside of you and feeling things for yourself and answering those questions of what do I need in this moment? Like a device doesn't know that, you know that because you have an innate wisdom within you to know those things. And when we stop listening to it and when we start only listening to a device, then we just downplay our ability to be able to trust ourselves and trusting yourself is everything. It's so important. Our fitness trackers can completely pull us out of touch with ourselves and what's going on. For example, if you're in a fitness class and you're wearing your Fitbit and you're trying to get yourself up into a certain heart rate zone, you might push yourself beyond everything else you might not pay attention to anything else going on. You might just push as hard as it takes to get yourself into that heart rate zone. And in doing that, you're not listening to your body and that's where you hurt yourself, you injure yourself, you end up pushing beyond your capacity. It just pulls us out of the big picture of what are we really trying to accomplish here? And instead, it zeroes us in on this tiny little stat that we're trying to achieve. When within the big picture, like what does that stat really mean? Is it really as important as the value that you're placing on it in that moment? 
I also think that we need to be really careful about letting our devices tell us how we're feeling. An example of this, if you wear a Fitbit, let's say you have a day where you walked 20,000 steps. You might look at that Fitbit and say, oh man, I'm exhausted because I walked 20,000 steps today. Are you exa actually exhausted or did you just see that number and think, wow, that's one of my highest step days ever. I must be exhausted. There's a big difference there. And are you able to understand the difference? The same thing could happen on the other end. If you walked 4,000 steps in a day, you might think, I didn't do anything today. There's no reason I should be tired. I barely moved. Well, maybe you were dealing with a really intense life stressor and your brain was working all day. So maybe you do actually feel tired and you can feel valid in feeling tired that day, even though you only walked 4,000 steps. The same thing happens when we track our sleep. I think sometimes when we wake up in the morning, if we think that we slept okay and then we see our device and actually we only slept for six hours, we might carry that throughout our day and assume that we're gonna be tired all day or assume that we're not gonna be able to focus and then we don't take on as much when in reality, like you might be fine and that might be the amount of sleep that you needed for that night or you know your body is so adaptable so it might be okay for that one night but instead you let the stat affect how you feel moving through your day let's think about the bigger why for why we train personally i train to keep my body healthy and moving well to train movement patterns that are going to be able to serve me moving pain-free for the rest of my life, to create strength that's going to allow me to live a really high quality life, to do the kinds of active things that I care about and that I want to be able to do. Like I really do train to be able to perform and function well in my life and I plan to be able to do that until I'm 90 years old. So if that's the bigger reason as to why I train, a device and allowing it to rate a workout based on how many calories I burned or how hard I worked for the hour or how far I ran, if you're tracking the distance of your run or, or how far you biked or any of these things, allowing a device, putting value on that, on that specific thing and that parameter, it takes that away all of the things and all of the factors that actually make a difference in what my long-term goal is. It doesn't rate my quality of movement. It doesn't rate the mobility work that I did beforehand. Like these trackers just don't know everything. So we have to be so careful about allowing them to make us value the things that it values. The final thing that I see as a detriment to the devices is it also just takes you out of the experience of activities. When you're, start, when you're thinking about the external data, when you're thinking about what the data is going to say, it just takes you out of the moment and takes you out of the mindfulness of just valuing how your body feels in that moment. The way I live my life, I'm constantly learning about myself. Each phase of my life is so different and therefore what I need in each phase is so different. So I'm constantly trying to gain a deeper understanding of how do I know what I need in this moment in order to give myself that. Do I need to be mindful and device-free and in the moment and just intuitively sleeping, moving, and eating? 
Sometimes that's 100% what I need. And for my mental well-being, that is great for me. Sometimes I like to create more awareness in what's going on in my life. And maybe I'm starting to ask myself or question, have some of the bad habits that I'm prone to crept into my life? And have some of the good habits fallen away? And do I need a little more accountability, maybe even external accountability to those things that I do care about in my life? And sometimes that happens. And that's a little bit how I'm feeling right now, which is why I put my tracker back on. It's just a check-in. It's just a way for me to self-monitor. I'm doing my best as I wear this now to not lose sight of my bigger picture and my bigger why. And I'm always remembering that I know better than my device. My device is there to help me. It's there to give me considerations. It's there to alert me to things that might be going on. But I always know better because I know myself. I know my body. I know where I'm going. And I know what my goals are for my life. This will always be a big old balancing act. Nothing in life is black and white. We live in shades of gray, and that's what makes our world so amazing and nuanced and subtle and exciting. And I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So I can't sit here and say, yes, you should wear your Fitbit. Yes, 100% wear your Apple Watch. Yes, wear that Whoop. I don't know. Maybe you should be, maybe you shouldn't, but you have to decide that for yourself. And I hope that you decide it for yourself, understanding what you truly need and what is going to serve you. So let's loop back around to those three questions that I posed at the beginning and let's dive into them a little bit deeper. The three questions you can ask yourself to decide whether you're going to track or not track are, number one, list out, how is this device impacting my life? And I would put a three minute timer on and just let yourself write stream of consciousness. What are all the ways that it's possibly impacting my life, the good ones and the bad ones. Then I want you to think to yourself, what are you gaining? Pull out the good things from that list. What are you standing to gain from wearing this device? What is the positive impact that it's having on your life? Because if you're wearing it, hopefully there are some positive impacts that it's having. And then the third one I want you to ask yourself is, would anything change dramatically in your life if you lost your device or decided not to wear it? The reason I add this one is there was a point in my life where I was so obsessed and attached to the data that I felt like a workout was almost pointless unless I had my Fitbit. Like I literally remember being in my condo walking to the gym, realizing I didn't have my Fitbit on and saying, screw it, I'm not gonna do the workout for today. So then if you feel like something in your life would be dramatically different, like your sleeping habits would be completely different, you, instead of going to bed at 10 p.m., which you're doing while you're wearing your device, you would be going to bed at midnight or 1 a.m., like you have to ask yourself why. Why would it be so different and why are you so reliant on data and a device to impose those things for you in your life. Ideally, the data just provides a little extra nudge, a little extra awareness for you, but nothing crazy would change because you understand your why and you understand the bigger picture of why you're doing these things. Okay guys, I hope that was helpful. I've been thinking a lot about trackers and devices. 
over the last couple of months. So those are all of my thoughts on them. Thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you for coming along on this podcasting journey with me. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in every week so much. Make sure that you're subscribed to the How Do You Feel podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning, so be on the lookout for those. Please also, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, rate and review the podcast. Every one of those ratings and reviews mean so, so much to me, and I appreciate them so much. Finally, if you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, send it to someone in your life that you think could benefit from the things that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. As always, make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.